0: Welcome aboard, space travelers. Please lower your harness and keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Prepare for blast-off.
1: To another episode of Discover DLP with myself, Nick,
0: and myself, Paul.
1: I almost botched that up. <laughs> it's not you hard. I did isn't it a it? week ago. It's not even that I forgot it. It was just trying to say it. I don't. It's not even a hard title to say.
0: It's one it, of the easier ones.
1: Yeah, we should really do some more tongue Twistery podcast titles. Hmm. Let me have a think about that. Anyway, enough about tongue twisters. We're not here to talk about that. Uh, P-Dubs, what what have you brought me here to talk about, besides Disneyland Paris?
0: Well, coronavirus. Really?
1: Ah, coronavirus. Sadly. As as if, uh, you know, no one's talking about coronavirus. No, not at all. You might have to explain to people what it is.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, um, it's after you've drunk too much beer. No, not really. corona. yeah. So, the reason why, and I know we only recorded like a week ago, um, and said we might get another episode out of this, <laughs> this
1: month. Well, to be um, fair, I, I'm not sure when this episode's going out. No. <laughs> it could go out today, it could go out in four days, and to be honest, time is just not a good construct when you're doing a podcast, because anyone can listen to it any time, no. but yes, we did only record an episode last week.
0: Yeah, um, but we felt today there was considerable changes doesn't Disneyland Paris because of coronavirus that kind of warranted us talking about it um, in a bit more depth than we have on any of the shows, I think. Um, mainly because this is the, the first park that we talk about that's really been affected in a major way. Um,
1: mm, I don't know about that. I mean, three parks closed.
0: Yeah, but how often do we really talk about the Asian parks?
1: Well, I, I mean, on this podcast... No, never. Yeah,
0: but I mean, across the, the network, no, we, no, it's, it's not like we concentrate on them.
1: No, it's very true. And I think what's interesting in this instance compared to those, you know, it was a very flippant comment because, you know, those parts closed. Yeah, They just said, because of what was happening, um, we are closing these parts. And it was unprecedented because, you know, I can think of, a handful of times that i know disney parks have have closed um in the western world um asia is a little bit different because um i remember tokyo disney closing a few years ago because of an earthquake that struck yeah um, and because of damage uh, they had to close for a bit of time um disneyland paris though i can think of probably about a handful of times it's it's ever closed um, you know, the weather, really bad weather being one when it snowed really heavily, um, just after the um, the terrorist attack in, in Paris a few years ago. Um there was a lockdown then for a few days. But it's it's very unusual for um and I mean Disneyland Paris, as we recall this, hasn't closed and there's no, no. sign of it closing. No. But what it's done that's been different to the the Asia parks that have closed down, um, although they're just about to reopen again. We, we have talked about that on another podcast. Is the fact that to remain open and to try and cause as little disruption as possible, they are making changes to how things are being done.
0: Yeah. And, and some of them are, are very minor, and some of them could make a, a big dent in someone's holiday. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's they're doing the. Right, in my opinion, they're doing the right thing in making these changes. Um, I know some people aren't going to like it. Um, well, I've seen
1: I've seen already that there's been huge backlash to some of the the things that have uh, have happened today. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, let's let's kind of run through what's what's happened so far, what we know so far. So so.
0: The first thing that came out, and and we spoke about it on Disney Parks and More yesterday, was that a a Disneyland Paris cast member did contract coronavirus, Yeah, um, but they hadn't been in the park while they'd had it. They were on annual leave um, and obviously have now not gone back. So they hadn't been in the parks, but that was kind of the first telltale sign that something was, was going on, that it was announced that they were... A worker at Disneyland Paris. Um, so that happened yesterday, and then then we kind of woke up this morning to find that the Princess Pavilion was closed. Um, I mean, because I mean, of coronavirus.
1: Yeah, I mean, going going back to kind of what you were saying there about um, disruptions to people's holidays and and you know reactions and stuff like that. In one of the bigger. Facebook groups that I'm in for Disneyland Paris, there were rumours from cast members that uh, the Princess Pavilion would be closing as of Monday. Yeah. And so they put this out there on, on the forum <clears throat> as a kind of warning um, that, that this might happen. It wasn't a cast iron, you know, this is Disney confirmation. This was news they've been given by a cast member that this was likely to happen. Um, and so kind of giving you a heads up. And the the backlash and outrage was incredible. Yeah. It, it was a little bit, it was a very weird situation, right, with, the, with this example in particular. I'm not going to name the Facebook group, but they put this announcement out there. And what you get a lot in the Disney community full stop, Disney social media full stop, is people want to be the first. Yeah, And Disneyland Paris is interesting in uh, a few years ago, they launched a service called Inside Ears. And it was very weird how it it came about. But the idea was that they would basically allow certain people, um, supposedly Disney influencers. And I say it like that because you had people that moderated Facebook groups with like a hundred thousand people, over a hundred thousand people in and you'd have somebody that had like 50 followers on Instagram. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to this uh, process. Um, and what they would do is they had this app that they could log into. They'd be alerted when there was like a press release coming out, something like that. And they could report this for them essentially. So it's kind of like spreading the word and the problem with that is that you had, I think there was about 150 or 200 people in, in this inside is community. And so everyone would announce the same press release within a few minutes as a big exclusive. It's not really exclusive when everyone's like verbatim reports uh, reporting the same news. And if anything, yeah. it gets really bloody annoying because you know, you'd see, you'd see it pop up in your news from various different sources, the exact same thing. Um, and what you've got now is this culture of wanting to be the first or wanting to be important. And so some people were quite happy that this this rumour had been put out there because it gave people a heads up. Then you've got the other people who were upset because it was almost scaremongering. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be a, a, a big concern. What I didn't like about this particular story this rumor coming out was then what happened after you know a lot of people kind of kicked off and saying you know Disney should release this news not some rumor and all this was the Princess Pavilion opened on Monday yeah and the same Facebook group then claimed in a very Tom Corley's kind of way well actually it was because they saw the feedback of all the people in this group they decided not to do it and at that point, I kind of lost all respect for it because I thought that didn't happen.
0: Yeah.
1: No one, d- d- a big corporation does not care what one Facebook group thinks about a rumor. No, that's not it. Um, but this rumor had been going about since the weekend that this might happen. Um, and as you said, today was the day that the rumor that started the weekend became true. Uh, and the rumours obviously came from a good source because it almost happened verbatim yeah. in that the princess pavilion closed, um, and there, there were rumours they were going to stick some other characters in there, but they yeah. didn't. They just they just closed it. Um, and also the the other thing that directly impacted that was uh, Auberge the C- uh, Cinderellion, which yeah. normally has uh, or has at the moment both a princess breakfast and a princess lunch. Yeah. And they have both been changed.
0: Yeah. So people that had a book in this morning, not with much warning, turned up to find they were welcomed by the mice who are normally there. Um, Obviously the the whole Cinderella vibe, but also Mickey and Minnie uh, rather yeah. than the princesses um, without any warning.
1: Yeah. And I suppose the thing, you know, from my point of view, I think they're obviously trying to minimise risk. They're trying to protect their their staff. Yeah. And especially with, um, with characters, not so much cast members, but definitely with characters, you know, people like to get very close to them, um, especially the kids want to give them a cuddle and, and everything like that. And when you're a face performer... And by that, the term there is for somebody that is a, playing a character, playing a role, but is not wearing a elaborate mask or something. Um, they're obviously at risk. And that is the princesses. Um, you know, they're, they're the most famous ones for that. Um, especially this time of year, there's, there's not really any fake villains out. It's normally just princesses. So I, I did the princess breakfast, as you know, a few months ago. Yeah. And we picked that specifically for uh, the princesses being there. Now, I wouldn't have been happy with this change today. No. But I would like to, and I don't know, because I'm not seeing anyone has said that this happened to them or anything, but I would like to think that uh, Disney would offer you a refund if you didn't want to have that. Because it's a very specific thing a princess breakfast so to have a princess breakfast without the princesses there you know doesn't seem right but I support why they're doing it
0: yeah no I totally agree with with why they're doing it I just I think things could have been better communicated yes than just turning up and finding you aren't getting what you've actually booked
1: Mm. yeah absolutely um, and I think some of that comes down to the way in which we still do bookings at Disneyland Paris, which I, I think is yeah. lacklustre. Um, you know, I I think it was the last episode, actually. I was talking about booking the – oh, yeah, we were talking about reservations, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. And um, I said the fact that, you know, to book a Princess Breakfast, you're only allowed to do it free I, – I did it four days, but it's supposed to be three days in advance, and you have to phone up and, and do that. Or you can do it, um, you know, via – a hotel concierge or something. But the fact is none of this stuff is easy and no. therefore it's probably not easy for them to communicate out to people either no. directly. So I I get that it's not easy to let people know in advance, but then that's their own shortcomings for having a, a product that doesn't work properly. They should yeah. you know you should have an app which you can have your bookings in there and you can, you know, cancel them, change them, whatever. And they should be able to notify you if there's any changes as well, and we don't have that yet. So, no, no,
0: definitely that there's definitely work to be be done on that side of things.
1: And there's a few other things as well that have changed. That I don't know how many of these yeah. you you know. And if there's anything that I'd miss out, please fill me in. But um, the the pre-show to Buffalo Bills Wild West show um, had also been uh, cancelled.
0: Well, hadn't well, it, had it had been
1: changed. it been changed, so um, it's now in the main auditorium. It used to be, in, or it was in the bar area, right? And I think you could meet Mickey Mouse there. I'm not sure of any other characters, but um, they had <clears throat> Mickey in his like western outfit. Um, that that was uh, stopped today. Uh, Mickey the magician is limited to nine hundred guests. Yes. Again, this is because of the government restrictions they put in place about um, uh, people in enclosed spaces. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. I, d- I don't know how many people it normally they normally get through in a day, anyway. Um, oh, so that's that's an interesting number. Um, also, Buffalo Bills—they've reduced—they've uh, re- reduced it to eight hundred people. Um, for a sitting and again I'm not sure what the capacity is for that um, right. th-
0: I've never been in there
1: no, uh, no I mean from, from what I've seen of it, it it doesn't look huge
0: no
1: so I'm guessing it, it might sit about a thousand people I'd be surprised if it's much more than that um, but again that's that's been reduced down what they have done is uh, with going back to the, the princesses is they have put on a new parade yes called the Princess Cavalcade, which I I saw some pictures of today, actually, and it actually looked really good. Yeah. Especially if you say they've knocked out (laughs) relatively quickly.
0: And the fact that they're having to use an old parade float for it, which Mm. is quite clearly from spring into spring.
1: Yeah, but it works. Yeah, it does. It works. Um, And so I completely, and I do, sympathise with people that are there now, especially those with... uh, you know, young girls that are desperate to meet princesses, um, but you know, you've you've got to you've got to think about why this is being done. This isn't a cost-cutting exercise. You know, we've talked before about you know ways that Disneyland Paris can cut corners and, and stuff like that. This is not it. No, you know this this is not uh, you know in order to purposely disrupt things. This is trying to. You know, keep people safe and and healthy, uh, and especially their their own cast members. Um, so I I completely get it. it's disappointing, but at least they're still out.
0: Yeah, and you're still getting to see them, which is which is a plus point.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think so. Um, also, uh, a few other things as well. Uh, single rider lines are closed. Yeah. Uh, that's across the board um, I, I believe that's that's every attraction that's got a single rider um as a that um stop for the moment um the attraction a c is uh, pulling outside air not sh- i suppose
0: it's to stop the the museum recycled air with someone that yeah. could possibly have coronavirus at least it's it's pushing that air out yes um, and bringing in fresher air.
1: Yeah. Um, disposable cutleries back out at the buffets. Yeah. I thought was interesting. I, I suppose in, in a way that makes probably more sense than most things because, you know, the one way that we know this virus spreads is, you know, um, fire your mouth. Um, yeah. So by you know, people using cutlery that's then being washed, even though it's being washed, there's still uh, time for that to get in contact with people and for that to spread. So I kind of, I, I get that, you know, obviously disposable cutlery bad. We you know disposable cutlery is bad. Um, but again, it, it, it's to try and uh, be better for people. Um, additional cleaning of strollers. So I'm assuming that uh, is from the the rented, strollers that yeah. you can you can have in the parts. Not everyone's strollers they leave outside attractions.
0: <laughs> Mini car wash push the kids yeah. through.
1: Just the just a pit crew going around outside like it's a small world, well going, Oh, I just pull the buggy up, better give it a clean. Um and also Biddy's Binny Bob's dance floor is closed. That's the least surprising for me, because that yeah. gets very busy and it's very small. So that that makes sense. Um, I get, I get that completely. Well, that is one of the attractions of Billy Bob's. Um, you know, it's 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 for the reasons we've we've mentioned, and you know, for me, all in. Um, I think it's it's better if they can keep the parts working and operational. Yeah. Um, if it means that a few things have to change in order for guest safety to be prioritized.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be a case that they are just going to close them. Yeah. And they they are at least trying to find a way around that at the moment.
1: Yeah. And and obviously, this is what we're going on to talk about uh, in a second. But about you know transport and holidays and stuff like that. You know, with the way that people book holidays, unless you've got a package booked via a, an atoll protected travel agent. Um, or you booked with Disneyland Paris Direct or something like that, if if they close the park, there's every chance you won't get all your money back that you spent on yeah. your holiday. Um you know, if 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 they do, this is a big if, but if they do close the parks down uh for a period of time, if you booked a holiday via a travel agent, um, you'll be protected for that they will probably reschedule you or or offer you a refund depending on their terms and conditions, but you won't be left in the lurch. But if you've booked your holiday separately and a lot of, you know, especially annual pass holders do that, um, you know, you might end up not being able to do anything about it.
0: Yeah.
1: And the other thing that's interesting this week, as we, as we recall this episode, um, it's still going ahead. It's uh, that really awful soiree, yeah. <laughs> they're having. Um, so, as we record this, and we're recording this on on Tuesday, um, the soiree is on Friday. Um, it's it's still going ahead. That could change by the time this episode comes out. Um, but there's been no mention that they they will do. And I think because it's going because it's a privacy private event. A private ticketed events, um, and obviously there are numbers of people that are going to it, it will probably be fine.
0: Yeah.
1: That's probably the best time to go. Yeah.
0: it's Likely it's going to be a bit quieter.
1: Yes. Yeah. Anyone that's sitting on the fence or anyone that doesn't mind losing their 50-odd Euros they spent on a ticket will stay away. Yeah. Um, and everyone else will still go. But it's going to be less people than at any other point during the day, probably.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah. So, so some interesting stuff going on at the moment, I think it's safe yeah. to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and hopefully they'll continue as they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they will. Um, but the reason, you know, this is stuff that's kind of happened as the day's gone out, but, when you first messaged me earlier to uh, get together to a call because of what's going on, I think you wanted to focus a bit more on the travel as- aspect of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. With the the collapse of fly Bay in the, the last couple of weeks, I think people are, are looking for for other ways to to get to the parks, um, especially from from the UK. It's that's that's a big thing because Flybe did fly to Paris quite regularly. Um, Annoyingly, I can't fly to Paris from where I live. Um, it's a pain. It's at least two hours' travel to get to an airport that flies to Paris anyway. Um, so it's it's never really been an option. I've only ever flown to Paris once. I drove to, to Doncaster in the darkest hours of the day to get to a flight at 6 o'clock in the morning.
1: Isn't that any time um, at Doncaster or...?
0: Well, yeah, it's just always dark there. Uh, it's grim, grim up north. Um, Sorry, so it's no never, sense. yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's never really been an option for me. I, I did that for the first race weekend, but since then, it's it's always been easier for me to to get to London and and go that way than it has been. So yeah, it's just uh, really kind of wanted to discuss the different options. Cause I know you've gone a few different ways, and I've gone a few different ways mm. um, to, to get to Paris, so yeah, there's, there's definitely a few different ways people can get there.
1: Well, it, it's quite funny because I don't live what well, I say I don't live that close to an airport. I didn't. Um, and then recently, my nearest airport now would be South End. yeah, I think it's called South End London. I love how they they whack London on things. <laughs> yeah, it's like Luton, London. Luton exactly. as well. Exactly. Uh, and I flew from and actually for the first time last year and it's actually a really good airport. But um yeah, South End is 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 hilarious as being a London airport as well. But um EasyJet have got a hub there. Yeah. It's one of their main ports now. Not ports, but you know what I mean. Um and uh, and they fly to Paris um I think six out of seven days. Yeah i think i'm not sure i don't think it's daily but i mean they they fly a lot from there and i did actually look in i think the last year of flying out of south end just cuz it was so you know it's about 25 minutes down the road to me it's, yeah. it's no distance An uh, and, and easyjet obviously not very expensive to fly with either but i've actually um, in all my in all my years never flown to paris <laughs> whether that's to Disneyland Paris or just Paris itself, I've never gone into uh, Charles de Gaulle. So um, I, I can't really talk too much about flying either, to be honest. And um, I know lots of people that do. And yeah. it does seem to be as, as difficult or as easy as you make it, I, I think yeah. is, is probably the way. So, uh, and and you know this because you've not flown to Charles de Gaulle, but you've, Gone from Charles de Gaulle, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've you got
1: dropped off I, there.
0: Yeah, I've for the last couple of years for the for the race weekends, I've actually gotten a coach, an overnight coach, um, just because it worked out easier for me. Not because it was cheaper. It is. I normally leave work um, that evening and then travel overnight, and obviously there's no trains by that point. By the time I get to London, there's there's nothing running to Paris, so it's always been the the best option for me. Um so yeah, I get the coach from from Victoria straight into Charles de Gaulle. Um now I know a lot of people go to Charles de Gaulle and they get private transfers and and get on the the magical shuttle um that, that Disney run. But I don't quite understand why people feel the need to do that when you can get on a train and be at Disneyland Paris in ten minutes.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, I suppose the allure of like a private transfer is, it's a private transfer, right? Yeah. But it, it takes, I think, about 40 minutes on a yeah. good day. Um, and obviously a bit more if you get stuck in traffic. Um, but but some people like the fact you can just, you know, get a car at the airport, a nice car, um, stick yeah. your luggage in it and get, get driven down there. Um, as you said as well, you've got the, the Magical Express, which is um, like a... I suppose a glorified Disney bus, really.
0: Yeah, um, that's basically what it is. Yeah, it's a mm. it's a Disney coach.
1: Yeah, and that will take you uh, direct from the airport there. Uh, but as you mentioned, you've you've also got the TGV. Yeah, which takes you straight into uh, uh station, uh, and and right in the heart of the magic, as it were. Yeah. So, uh, and also, uh, it, it can be if you book it at the wrong time, it can be a little bit expensive, but. Um, you know, I think even on the day you can probably get tickets about fifteen, twenty euros.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is what it cost me from uh Paris or pretty much, to get the tube. Um yeah. we'll talk about that more in a in a bit. Um but yeah, so so from Charles de Gaulle, if you if you do fly in, you've got, you know, at least three options. Yeah. Really. Yeah, um,
0: definitely. I definitely think if you are flying, you've got options.
1: And also, I think as well, isn't isn't the Magical Express like about fifteen euros a person? I think it's more
0: than
1: that. I think it's twenty five each way. Oh, okay, okay. It's, I think it's, it's
0: not cheap.
1: It's cheaper for kids. Yeah, I know it's not an and a kids rate. Um, but you know, looking at a car, you're probably looking at about. Um. I think I think it's about eighty euros. Yeah, it's like the average. You might pay a bit more. You might pay a bit less. That's about the average. You'll you'll normally get a transfer for, um, and so the TGV costs you anywhere between ten euros and fifty euros, depending on when you buy your ticket and what class you buy your ticket for. Um, so I suppose private transfers are probably pretty good. If you if there's like a car full of you, yeah, because you work out the cost per person, it doesn't work out too bad. And I suppose you could say the same with the um, Magical Express as well. Um, yeah. You know, if you've got a fact, if you factor in, it's going to cost you about a hundred euros each way yeah. um, from the airport. Then that's probably not a bad budget to give yourself. No, definitely
0: um, not.
1: But it's, but it's a, a cost you've got to consider. Yeah. When you get that cheap flight, and I think some people get, a, especially first-timers, might get a bit confused and thinking, well, you're flying into Paris. That means you've got to be near Disneyland Paris, right? Mm, actually, you're not. No. You're pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So it, it's just something to factor in to the cost of your, of your holiday. Um, don't be caught out by it. You are going to have to work out getting from the airport to um, to Disneyland Paris now you mentioned a coach yeah so you get yours from Victoria but yeah a lot of coach, sorry a lot of coach companies very easy for me to say like will go from various places in the UK I know it's a very yeah. popular thing in Wales actually
0: yeah and I've done that the first time I went to Disneyland Paris we did a, a coach tour um that picked us up here in, in Nottingham. Um, and took us all the way down. That, though that was that was a killer going all that way without kind of having a proper break. Uh, you get your usual 10, 15 minutes in a service station or a stop. Um, but it's a little bit different to doing that, travelling to London, having a break in the middle and then getting on something else. Um, it does feel like a, a very long day.
1: Yeah. The, the the problem I have, uh, I've seen a few people talk about these coach trips that they do, uh, and normally, you know, so when you when you get yours, you're buying yours as a as a coach ticket. Yeah. You are going on a co- coach journey, so therefore you're just paying for that. Yeah. Quite a lot of these companies will, especially the ones that seem to be based in Wales or, or leave from Wales, it's almost like a package deal.
0: Yeah.
1: So what you'll do is you'll get, you know, like a, a two night stay included with. The package that you buy and, and to be honest like the, the the cost per head is actually quite cheap yeah for these um you know to, to do it that way but the problem for me sorry my apple watch off. um the problem for me with with those kind of um coach trips as opposed to just just doing what you do which is using the coach to actually get there is that it might be like um a four-day holiday, but two of those days are travelling.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, non-stop travelling, and it's it's long. My sister-in-law, um, she did one of these kind of coach trips, but hers was just a a day. And you know, they left at like I don't know four or five in the morning, and the coach left at eight o'clock at night or something, and it took them back to London, and it just sounded hellish. Yeah, because it was no yeah you because know, I, I for me i don't find coach sharing is particularly relaxing anyway no you know there's not much room it's a bit like being on a plane but for like four times a time yeah so it's not very comfortable you haven't got much leg room um and it just you can't seems really to go either no no yeah so you you can even do that on a plane um but yeah so it, it wouldn't be my way of doing it but you know, some people love sitting on a coach. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you factor in the, the costs involved as well, it is a cheap way of getting there. Yeah. So I can see the, see its appeal. Yeah. It's and,
0: and the other thing mind. I will say is that you, um, you, there's two ways of getting over to France as well. Um, and I found both ways with the, with the coach. Um, first time I went, we got on the, the tunnel. Mm-hmm. We got on the train, um, and that was fine because obviously it doesn't take very long. Mm. Um, the second time I booked exactly the same coach, um, and it said this is the time you'll get there, and it, it looked at it and it, it looked like it was the train. um I then maybe three months after I'd booked, uh, they changed the time. They brought the the leaving time forward. I thought I didn't think anything of it to be honest. Um, but then found that we were actually getting on the ferry, yeah. um, which I wasn't prepared for. I, I don't particularly get travel sick, but for some bizarre reason, I don't know whether it was because it was at night uh, and I was tired and I, I wasn't expecting it, but I didn't feel great on it, I have to be honest. And it's, it's kind of put me off doing it this year. And in fact, I've just booked Eurostar both ways this time. Mm. Um Mainly because I'm going for the whole weekend. This time last year, it was only for a day, uh, for one night, and then I came back the next day. Um, so I've got a bit more time. I'm, I'm going to train it down and get the direct Eurostar this time.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I know what you mean. The, the first time I ever went to Islam Paris was before the Eurostar. That's how old yeah. I am. And uh, we had to get uh trains and, and uh, we got a ferry across from Dover. I think it was at the time,
0: yeah.
1: and uh, it was the first time I'd ever been on a ferry. I mean, no, actually, that's, that's a lie. I've been on the uh, the Isle of Wight ferry.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's about as far as I've gone most yeah. of the time on ferries.
1: But that journey across the uh, the sea, the channel, was just awful. Like yeah. it was the worst. I'd never experienced travel sickness before until that. I and mean, I was I was like 9 or, or whatever. But yeah, said, so I've been on other ferries and stuff like that and never had a problem, but that was rough. That sea was rough. And we you know, we're talking July. Daytime yeah. in July. So you didn't you know, the weather wasn't awful or anything like that. It wasn't like a storm, but the boat was just sort like people were sliding. Yeah. That was my memory of it. People were sliding. It was so bad and I was just like you know, from one wall to the next, it was just just awful, just sick the whole time. Um, and then uh yeah, we had to get on another train, and it was like an old-fashioned train. It wasn't a steam train, but you know, it felt like an old-fashioned train. Um, and then we that took us into Paris, and then we had to get the tube the rest of the way. It was it was a weird experience. I I remember bits and pieces of it because again, I, I was quite young, but it, it, that was a that that took a whole day like we got to the hotel at night probably about seven eight o'clock and we'd set out at about seven in the morning so traveling to Disneyland Paris has come a long way since then yeah (laughs) yeah, definitely Eurostar made a a big difference and let's talk about Eurostar yeah um you know for for me it's been my preferred method of of getting to Disneyland Paris by by a country mile um I've I've used it I ninety ninety five percent of the times I've been to Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Um I think it's a great service. I think it runs really well. It doesn't seem to it, you know, it, it, it takes what direct about three and a half hours, I think, from London. Yeah, I think Something so. Something like that. Um and it, it flies by pun intended. It it doesn't seem that long really. No. Um and you know it's it's i never get stressed like the stress is getting there but once you actually get to the the train station you know going through like yeah. security and everything is fine you know if um if you're running late and they know that you haven't got long before your train's going to leave they'll rush you through like you know it, it just seems to be really good and that's um that's from london St. pancras we often will go from emps instead yeah just because totally.
0: That's closer to you, isn't
1: it? It's closer. And and the other thing as well, and this is something to bear in mind for people that will be coming to London to, to use the Eurostar. Parking in London is a premium. Yeah, There's not a lot of parking in London. There's a lot of car parks in London, and they all charge uh, a small fortune. Um, they really, really do. Parking at Ebbsfleet, I think for... They do, they do it every few days so it's, it might be like you know like one day is this much two days is this much and then five days is this much Um it's, it's things like that but we left the car there once for i think it was five days and i think it costs like 20 quid yeah you know it was it was it was nothing really um and it's you know in a, in a secure car park and it's you know got cameras and it's monitored um and, and you know it's a proper car park it's not like when you drop your your car off on on holiday at the airport and someone drives it off and it's probably in some field somewhere. um, You know, this is all... You're doing donuts. It's it's all all legitimate. So, and also as well, because you're going from a smaller station, it's less busy. So they've got plenty of staff. Again, it's even easier to go from there, we find, than it is from uh, London because it's less busy. And um, yeah, it's it's great. There's not as much to do there as as in London, um, but you're not going to be there for very long, really. So no. um, you know that that's our preference. But not all the trains go via Ipswich, and the same coming back. So you're you're more res- restricted on what times you can get trains compared to London. Um, but you can go direct from there. Um, as well but Eurostar I just just think it can be expensive but
0: you have to pick the right time
1: you've got to pick the right time yeah you've got to pick the right time Uh, tickets come out nine months in advance Yeah, so that's the time to buy your tickets Um, but they also do sales as well so keep an eye out for those the the trains that go the quickest and I don't mean um, by speed um, but in in terms of actually trying to get availability for tickets and prices, are the direct ones? Yeah, they come first. They they, come, first. Be, they,
0: they yeah. come out before the indirect ones.
1: Yeah, and 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 they always kind of go quickly. So if you know what dates you want to go, you know, put a note in your diary when when they're going to go and sale and try and get them straight away. Um, and and they and then normally complete direct. Sometimes you might have. Um, change at Lille and that's what you just mentioned there are the are the indirect trains yeah they normally come out uh three months before yeah so you know and and to be honest I've never struggled to get one I've never struggled to get a train three months I've
0: always managed I've always managed to get the the trains that I've wanted Mm. um going via Lille and I quite like going via Lille you you obviously do yours a, a different way, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the Lille ones, is, I find so easy. It's all in the same train station. You literally get uh, off one and walk across. Well, for, you the, say for, that. The mo- for the most part.
1: Yeah. So we we went indirect in October. And at the time, they're doing quite a lot of work at Lille. Uh, I don't know if it's called Lille International.
0: Yeah, it's Lille Europe, right? Okay, it's the the main one, the the Eurostar,
1: right? them. So that's where we came into. Yeah. But our connecting train was actually at Lille Flanders, I think it's called. Yeah. Which is five minutes away. Yeah. You know, you just it took us longer to get there because we got lost because yeah. we didn't look at the signpost properly. Um. So that was our fault, but um. Yeah, I mean, certainly last year, I don't know if it's changed, but we did actually have to go down. But we had 45 minutes to get from one train station to the other. It was completely fine. Um, but yes, yeah, what what will normally happen if you get an indirect train via Lille is uh, you'll get off your Eurostar. You'll get all this information in advance. It will tell you when your, your next train is going to be. And I think the shortest wait I've had is probably about 20 minutes and the most was just over an hour.
0: Yeah.
1: But there's, you know, places to go and get something to eat. There's little uh, newsagent type shops to go and get some drink or some chocolate or something. Um, There's a, you know, a few bars if you want to get a proper drink. Um, You know, there's things to do there. So even though you've got to wait for your next train, um, it, it's fine. The only thing I don't like about indirect trains, and especially the ones you get at Lille uh, International um, or Lille Europe, are, it is the fact that when those trains pull in, you've got about four minutes. Yeah. And that's everybody getting off with their luggage and you getting on with yours. And depending on your your situation at the time – it can be really easy or really stressful. If it's me on my own, it's very easy. because I've just got a little case with me. We did it one time and we had a buggy as yep. well as suitcases. And it was a bit of a panic to get us on. Yeah. Um,
0: and, and that's why my wife said she would never do it again. Yeah. when but We went when Sam was, what, he was two. mm. Um and we had everything like the, the buggy, big bags of stuff, all sorts of things. And she was like, "I'm never doing it again." But the last time we went, he was bigger. We didn't take a buggy with us; we rented one once we got there. He was what five? Yeah, mm. just turned already, just turned four. Can't remember. Um, but that was fine. We had no issues that time. Yeah,
1: and it'd be you know, it was, it was fine for us in October because it was just the three of us had we gone with Lincoln and he would have had his buggy with him. Um, because we, you know, he's got a a special, I don't know actually if we would have taken the buggy with us or not, because obviously the buggies they have at the parks are, you know, big enough for him, but we we probably would have done because of like getting him from one station to the other would, yeah. would be quite difficult. So, um, but yeah, unless we got special assistance, which um, I, I've never used, but I know they they offer, um, we we probably wouldn't do indirect with him. But we certainly would if we were you know, going without him, or it was just me and or something like that. Um, but I mean that's the that's the only downside with that now. What I like to do myself, but I'm alone in this, is I actually quite like to go into Paris, yeah, uh, straight into Nord, And the reason for that is normally you can get really cheap trains. So when we went to race weekend, uh, what was it, two years ago? Three years ago?
0: It's just coming up to two. We two, two years this year. ago. Yeah.
1: So when we did that, you was getting the coach down yeah. uh, and I was getting the Eurostar. And when I was looking to buy tickets, I could get tickets to uh garden order for £29 each way. Yeah. Um, for me to go direct, it was, I think, £59 each way. Which again, I mean, I, I don't think that's not unreasonable really. No. But you know, for the price of going one way, I could almost go there and back. So I, I didn't mind doing it. Um, when you go to Gardenord, Nord, um, the, the thing you can do there, which you can't do from Charles de Gaulle, the airport, is they have the tube. They have the RER service from there. Um, you can't go direct, unfortunately. You have to go uh, onto one train line for two stops. And you literally walk off the train across the platform onto the next train. And then that train takes you the whole way. It costs about 15 euros-ish. You know, price fluctuates a little bit. But um, that's how much it'll cost for one of you, concessions for children. And it takes about 40 to 50 minutes all in all. Um, I find it quite well signposted Uh, I find it you know all all the uh, ticket machines you can choose uh, English so you know it all comes up in in language you can understand if you don't speak French properly like I don't Um, and also all the staff um, you know if they can't help you they will pass it to someone that that can so I always find it quite easy to get my way around that station Um, but you know, not again. Not for everybody, but I find that a cheap and quite convenient way to uh, to go. So yeah. that's another way to go via Eurostar.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's not not one that I've tried. I've I've done direct and I've done indirect to to Lille, but never actually been into into Paris on the on the Eurostar.
1: There's a lot of shops there. They've even got Five Guys now. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not that I could eat there, but there you go. Right. Um, and I think that leaves us just with one last transport option, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is uh, lead drive. Yeah. Um, that's not the French for driving. I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> um, now, this seems to be quite a popular option for a lot of people in the UK because, like you mentioned earlier, not everyone lives near to an airport that flies to Paris. Yeah um and also you know the the further you are away from london the more time it takes you to get to london and the added expense you know you might want to have you you might need to have a hotel for the night and you're going to need to find somewhere to park so it's all these things on top that that make the whole day more expensive so uh, a lot of people decide Mm -hmm. stuff all that i'm going to drive and i've I only recently did it for the first time. I went in a, in a car group uh, about a year or ago. I think the first I just over two just before Christmas was the first time. And then we did it again last April. I think it was. And, um, you know, we, we all got in a the car. There was uh, three of us in the car. Oh, four of us in the car. Um, I think five the second time um but we had enough room in the car it was fine uh the drive from where we were going from it took about an hour or so to get to uh Folkestone to um shuttle to get on the train takes about half an hour to cross once you get on the train and then it's about three and a half hours once you get off the train And I I think it's a convenient way to go. I think it's quite a cheap way to go and it seemed quite easy. And I have to, I have to caveat that because I don't drive, Um, but the roads you actually travel on to get there are toll roads and they're really, really well maintained, really smooth motorways, not very busy. And that that makes it easier. And if you factor in all the time and everything like that, it's probably not much different to driving to Cornwall or Scotland for a lot of people. Probably, probably a similar kind of distance as well. Um, especially because the biggest part of that, you're actually on a train. So you're not yeah. actually driving across the sea. Um, but uh, the tolls cost about... 25 euros if you hit all of them it's about 25 euros might be a bit less if you you know take a different route and and avoid some you can't avoid them all you've got got to hit at least some of them Um, so you know 25 there 25 back just just call it that Um, obviously petrol will determine on the type of car you've got and the mileage you get from the car Um, for most people you'll probably need a tank, tank and a half um, to get like all the way there and, and all the way back to the UK. Um, but, you know, depends on how far you've got to go after that, I suppose. Um, and again, if you book the shuttle in advance, it's it's not very expensive. It's uh, I've seen deals for like 30 quid yeah. to get the shuttle. So, you know, it's, it's and, not bad uh, and a good
0: itself. tip tip for that as well people that get Tesco club card vouchers uh the euro tunnel is on there you can convert your your vouchers into to tickets on the euro tunnel yes so I think it's it's every five pound equals fifteen i think
1: Wow. so yeah so that that's another way of um, of doing it really yeah but, um, yeah, and
0: obviously, you can get the ferry as well.
1: Yes, rather than the shuttle. And again, when I've looked at that, the ferry and, and the shuttle are not normally dissimilar in yeah. price. Yeah,
0: definitely. So I'm actually planning on on doing the the Euro myself for a trip either the back end of this year or or early next year. Um, hmm. as the family just because it, it gives us the option of going after after work and after school on a Friday evening um, yeah
1: and, and and also as well the other thing which we didn't talk about is if you're driving you know you can take as little or much as you like
0: yeah exactly you can the car up with, uh, with all your all your merchandise as much as you want
1: that's it Look, Sam if you if you want to bring that home with you it's going to have to go under your feet yeah just, just how it is yeah.
0: <laughs> I, dread to yeah. think I think we'll probably end up coming home with one of those giant stitches. You probably will do.
1: Yeah. And I'll steal it from you. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, I, I think there's many advances for, for going in a car. And again, cost-wise, probably one of the cheapest when you, you break it down per person Yeah, as well. Um, you know, when we... It's different for you because you're not going to charge sand to, to, to go. But... You know, when we went in the car, we all paid. So yeah. we, we split the cost of the shuttle, we split the petrol cost, split the toll cost, and it, it doesn't cost much at all. No. So, um, you know, it, it was still cheaper for me to to do that and pay out for all those things shared than it would have been for me to uh, get the Eurostar yeah. uh, and park or something. So, um yeah, it's it's not a bad way to go if you don't mind driving, but... I said it's it's actually a, a nice drive, it's yeah. a nice drive.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Cool. Was there anything else you wanted to discuss?
0: No, I don't think so. I think that was that was it. We wanted to cover the the major talking points from the last couple of weeks. I think.
1: Yeah, I just I th- I think, you know, because of what's happening at the moment. And as you as you mentioned you know, lot like of companies like Flybe going under. Um, you know, people are having to replan their holidays. They might not want to get on a plane full of people right now. Um, same with Eurostar, but they still want to have a, a trip. So it's just exploring those other options that are out there. Yeah. Um, because there are quite a lot of ways to get there. Yeah, I can't think of another really Disney park that actually you've got that many options of getting there. Really,
0: no, not really. Uh, Tokyo has obviously got the the bullet train, hmm. um, but the only other way is really driving. Hmm. For from while you're there, there's uh, there's no other no other way of of getting to that park.
1: I suppose they haven't uh, opened a hyperloop yet. it's probably the the park expects it to open at first yeah yeah
0: definitely
1: All live like we're in Futurama um well hopefully on the next episode now we've caught up with ourselves we'll be able to talk about more jolly stuff yeah not that this wasn't jolly jolly but you know I mean like you know we've we've had to talk about this because of an epidemic yeah you know um but but yeah. And you know, let let's throw this out there. If there's anything you want us to talk about, um, then then let us know because we're always excited to yeah. um get questions or um you know, talking points that you want us to discuss. Yeah.
0: And so, we're definitely gonna look at some more of the historical stuff. I know we say this all the time, but we're definitely gonna look back. I know that this Soiree that's coming up. They're showing. They're putting on some of the old stuff from the nineties. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere that they were putting on a, a show from the from ninety two in, in one of the theaters for the Soiree.
1: Oh, if it's the timekeeper, I will cry.
0: It's not the timekeeper. It was. Thank it God was some, like some dance party that was probably in the the Hyperion Theater.
1: Oh, Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, as long as it's, as long as it's something like that, instead, I, I, I don't mind. I, I don't have to relive that. But mm-hmm. yeah, oh, I miss the timekeeper. Anyway, we'll wrap this episode up. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, thank you, P Dubs, as always for for being here. No um, one thing I do know that we're we're probably going to have uh, on an episode soon is uh, our good friend Wendy at Magical Journeys. Uh, magical journey Travel because um she had some questions asked about Disneyland Paris so um she might be coming on an episode sooner rather than later it might just turn into an interview Mm -hmm. with a um recorded another time depending on if we can get our schedules to meet but I know she's expressed interest in coming on so um you know any questions on American listeners especially let us know because we'll be happy to answer any questions you've got yeah but until the next episode, we will love you and leave you and uh, stay away from the coronavirus, but not the coronas. Au revoir. That's just a good point. They wouldn't they're not touching corona in France, are they? They're probably just drinking no. sixteen sixty-four or something.
0: Yeah. Hmm.